Well, good morning. Buenos dias. It is a, a real privilege and such a, a blessing for me and my family to be here. With our time with John and Michelle and, and, and family and then with Wyman and Joy and all the brethren we have met in Mount Pleasant. Uh, it's been such a blessing for us. I think this is my fifth time preaching in a week. But I feel very refreshed. <laughs> Only the Lord can do that. In the time with His people. So. I am from England. And I grew up in a, a city called Manchester, which is where I pastor a church now. Now, Manchester today is a, a very multicultural city. Every, every religion there is seems to be there. If you hear of another cult you've never heard of before, you quickly find it has a presence in Manchester. There are, like, uh, like the USA, there are a lot of churches, but uh, they're just buildings that don't preach the truth. But God is doing uh, a work in us, and it's a, a great blessing to see. Now, when I was younger, it wasn't quite the same. I grew up in the 70s. And back then, you was either christened as a child. It's a big superstition in England. So long as you lead a good life and you've been baptized as a baby, you go to heaven. And plus you have to be christened to be in school. And when I was young, you was either christened a Roman Catholic or into the Church of England. I was christened in the Church of England. But all that meant is I went there when I was christened and to the odd wedding there. In my youth, I never went to church. One thing I do remember, though, as a child, is each Christmas time we would do the nativity story at school. And it would give me something of a peace. And when I think back now, now I know life is made for the Lord Jesus Christ. I think even in my lostness back then, that was the most of Jesus I got. And so that brought a little meaning to life then. 
But then in my teens, um, I professed to be an atheist. Yo joven, yo ser ateo. Now, I wasn't a bad teen by worldly standards. Between the age of 15 and 17, I got into cycle racing. So I was training like an athlete. Así que estaba entrenando como atleta. This kept me out of a lot of trouble. Él me quitó de muchos problemas. While so the people at school were going out sinning, Así que otras personas en la escuela iban a pecar. I was going out on 40 mile training rides when I came home from school. Yo iba a ejercitar mi cuerpo. But when I got into my mid-20s, cuando yo entré a los 20 años, I, I got into sin. Yo me entré en pecado. And really tried to make up for lost ground. En verdad yo traté de hacer tanto pecado como quisiera. Did things too shameful to speak about. Cosas muy, muy tristes de yo, para yo mencionar. But in that time I, I would philosophize a lot. Yo en mi tiempo filosofizaba mucho en mi mente. At first philosophize about reasons why there couldn't be a God. Yo pensaba en las cosas, las razones por las cuales no podía haber un Dios. Of course, this was just an excuse to live my life my way. Solamente una excusa para vivir mi vida como yo quería. But then after a while I left my atheism. Pero después de un momento yo dejé mi ateísmo. It was, the world was just too grand, too well designed. El, el mundo estaba muy articulado. Too beautiful. Muy bello. I knew there was something else. Yo sabía que había algo más. And so I started searching. Empecé a buscar. At first I looked at other religions. Empecé a buscar otras religiones. I wanted to become anything but a Christian. Quería ser una cosa, pero no un cristiano. I looked at things very briefly like Buddhism. Vi cosas como budismo, but I couldn't buy it. No lo pude it, was like, eso. it was like a big fairy tale. Yeah, simplemente una farsa. And eventually I, I picked up a Bible that was my granddad's. Uh, it was an old revised standard version. Era una, una versión, uh, de, de King James. I don't think it had ever been read before. I used to press flowers in. But I started reading in Genesis. And it gave me a peace. I didn't understand it. But there was a peace about it. Then I got to Leviticus. And I started getting bogged down in Jewish laws. This is why in our evangelism now in Manchester... Es por eso que nuestro evangelismo hoy en Manchester. We give out New Testaments. Damos nuevos testamentos. But I saw it the first as a history book. Yo, yo la vi simplemente como un libro de historia. And I, I, I believed it as history. Yo lo creía como historia. I had no reason not to. No tenía razón por qué no. But I still had a naturalistic worldview at this point. Tenía una forma natural de ver las cosas. So that was the lens I was reading the Bible from. When God rained down manna in the desert, I believed that was true. But I thought, these primitive people, it must have been snow. And about the same time, I, I started started going to a high Anglican church. 
The one where I was christened him. It was like Catholic without the Pope. Blinking, you can't tell the difference. There was a lot of rituals there. A 15-minute sermon that got tired after 10 minutes. And But over time, I started to believe the Bible. Of course, if God is God, He can do miracles. So soon, I, 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 I believe this was the Word of God. I believe God was supernatural. I believed in heaven and hell. I believed about the cross of Jesus Christ. And I professed to be a Christian. And now, if you would have asked me in that time, are you a Christian? I would have said yes. If you'd have asked me, why are you going to heaven? I would have said because of the cross of Jesus Christ. I had all the right answers. I had cliches like I had a personal relationship with Jesus. But it was all a learned language. For six years, I went to church but was a hypocrite. I was very religious on a Sunday. I pray, Lord, lead me not into temptation. And then go straight home and do things. My, my brothers uh, and different members of the family were atheists and Catholic. But in the weekdays, you could not tell any difference between them and me. We watched the same films, the same TV shows. But I was professing to be a Christian. So in that time, I understood the cross in a very vague way. But I knew there was something was missing. Of course, it was Jesus, but I did not know that. And so, I wasn't being fed in the finding truth in the church I was in. So, I started listening to sermons on the internet. And I started to learn more and more. And then one day I was, uh, I heard the words of Jesus in Matthew 5, verse 27 to 30. You have heard that it was said of old, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you, if you look at a woman to lust for her, you've already committed adultery with her in your heart. Jesus goes on to say there that that sin will take you to hell. Now, it's not a sin for a man to have sexual desire for his wife. Adultery is the context. It's a sin to lust 
as the people we're not married to. Now I had heard that text so many times before. But always explained it away. Everybody does that. But why can't God mean what he said? Have you noticed people don't do that with another book? No one sets the manual for their car and says, I know it says put oil in there. But I think it means to me put paint in there. But people treat the Bible like that. That day, I realized God meant what he said. The first time in my life, I realized God was holy. And it was only then that the cross of Christ truly made sense. You see, before that, I believe Jesus died for sinners. And I would have said, yes, I'm a sinner like everybody else is a sinner. But that day I was undone. I really saw my sin against God. And then the cross made sense. From that day I rose up and followed him. And everything changed. I was no longer um, serving the devil all the week. But was under a new master now. And I felt such gratitude. Because it, it was like I'd, I'd driven and been stopped before the edge of a cliff. I realized that for all those years I had not put God first. And if I had died in that time I would have been put in hell. All the angels would have applauded. But what mercy of the Lord to keep me alive and to bring me to His salvation to bring me to the truth. And I, I, I wish I could take all those 30 or so years back. But I, I long now to serve Christ more than I serve the devil. And that is my testimony. Amen. Yes, Father, I just pray that your Holy Spirit would come this day, that you would help us, that you would save through this word now, that you would do a work amongst us, Lord, that you would raise the dead, you would, like you did to Paul, pull scales from eyes, help the blind see the deaf hear. I pray you would give unction. I pray this would be a living word now, that you would make it real to us, that you would put us in this text, Lord. Give it reality because you are the living God. I pray you would say through the power of your gospel, edify the saints, bring back struggling believers, cause us to love you more through this word now. 
we ask these things not because of our own righteousness, but because it is your will, Lord, that we all serve you. That every knee bow and confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. In Jesus' name, Amen. Okay, if you open your Bibles with me, please, to Luke chapter 7. I want us to look this morning at this account of Simon the Pharisee and the forgiven woman. So let's all stand for the reading of God's Word. And I shall read from Luke 7, verses 36 to the end of the chapter, and then we'll pray. One of the Pharisees asked him, that is Jesus, to eat with him. And he went into the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. And behold, a woman of the city who was a sinner, when she learned that he was reclining at table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of ointment. And standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears, and wiped them with the hair of her head, and kissed his feet, and anointed them with the ointment. Now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what sort of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. And Jesus answering said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he answered, Say it, teacher. A certain moneylender had two debtors. One owed five hundred denarii, and the other fifty. When they could not pay, he cancelled the debt of both. Now which of them will love him more? Simon answered, The one, I suppose, for whom he cancelled the larger debt. And he said to him, You have judged rightly. Then turning toward the woman, he said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I entered your house... You gave me no water for my feet. But she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss. But from the time I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil. But she has anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore I tell you, her sins which are many are forgiven. For she loved much. But he was forgiven little, loves little. And he said to her, Your sins are forgiven. Then those who were at the table with him began to say among themselves, Who is this who even forgives sins? And when the woman... And he said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Let's pray.
Lord. By the abundance of your steadfast love, we come into your presence now, to your throne of grace, beseeching you that you would help us now, that you would aid us, that you would speak through me, that you would help Brother Josue to translate, that your Holy Spirit would render these words to our hearts. Save, O Lord. In Jesus' name, Amen. You may be seated. In verse 49 of our text here, those sitting at the table with Jesus asked the question of Him. Who is this? And this is the most important question you can ask. What do you think of Jesus Christ? Now you can have an opinion about what coffee to drink. You can have a, an opinion about what sports team is best. You can have an opinion about a lot of things. But at the end of the day, they do not really matter. You can afford to be wrong about a whole lot of things. That do not really matter. But you cannot afford to be wrong about the person of Jesus Christ. You see... What you think of Him matters more than anything else in life. In verse 41 here, Jesus tells the parable of the two debtors. We all owe a debt to God because all of us have sinned against Him. Grievously sinned against Him. Every time you've not put God first. Every time you've lied. Every time you've lusted, you've stolen. Every time you have disobeyed your parents. Every time you've hated someone. Every wicked thought and deed you have done. God has recorded in a book. That book of your debt will be brought out on Judgment Day. There is a time coming when the debts must be settled. You may try and avoid God for most of your life. But God will have His day in court with all of us. And to pay your debt you must pay it in full. Now this leaves us with a problem. Because God is infinite. And so any sin against Him is a crime of infinite magnitude. Let me give you an illustration. If someone steps on a spider, no one's going to call the police. 
Maybe your president might change a, a new law on it. But for now, no one's going to call the police for that. If a homeless person is shot, the murderer would get several years in jail. But if the president was murdered, the murderer would never see the light of day again. Now, what's the difference there? Same crime all three times. Yet different punishments each time. You see, my point is this. When the offense is committed against someone who is esteemed higher, the penalty is higher. So when you consider all your sins, are committed against the God who is infinitely holy and righteous. That makes all sin crimes of infinite magnitude. If you had only sinned once, it would still take Jesus going to the cross to save you. What are you going to do about your sin? You see, to be forgiven of this infinite debt you have, you must have it paid in full. Otherwise, if you die in your sin, then God will cast you into hell forever. Anything that you can take joy in in this life will be taken away from you. And you will experience agony and torment forever. The wrath of a just God poured out upon you for your sins. And there's no rest day or night forever. Listen to me. You cannot afford to be wrong about the person of Jesus Christ. You just heard my testimony then. How I, I was a false Christian for six years. I knew all the right answers. But was never saved. I'd never truly come to love the Savior. You cannot die like that. You cannot afford to. You cannot afford to be wrong about what ye think of Him. Because He is the only one who can forgive sins. You must like this woman here in verse 48. Have your sins forgiven before you die and meet God? Because once you leave this life, it's too late. But look at the contrast there. Look what Jesus says to this woman in verse 50. And he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. She had peace with God. God is no longer angry at her. There is no more wrath of God due to her. 
because the penalty for her sins el sus was poured out on the Savior. Fue en el Now that is the way to die. En es la forma de morir. And that is the way to live. En es la forma de vivir. Living this life in a right relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Una buena con Señor y, y you younger people, listen to me. Jóvenes, Do not waste your life. No Do you have the Lord's peace? La paz con Dios, tú? You must have peace with God. Debes de tener paz con Dios. And the only way you can have peace with God y la única forma que tener paz con Dios is through the death of Jesus Christ. Es por medio de la de and so submit yourself to Him. A él. Rise up and follow Him. Y Now, Luke portrays this account here so vividly. Aquí Lucas pone eso tan, tan vivamente. It makes you feel like you're an eyewitness at this event. And with the Lord Jesus here, we see two characters. First, there is Simon the Pharisee. And then there is this immoral woman. Now, Simon the Pharisee was a religious man. He was an upstanding moral citizen. His attitude is, I am not like that woman. She is a sinner. I am not as bad as her. Simon refrained from doing certain sins. He kept the law of God outwardly. He was a Pharisee. So he prayed. In the synagogue and on street corners. He gave his tithes. Even of mint and cumin. He fasted twice a week. That's what Pharisees did. He read the Bible. More than that, he memorized the Bible. All of it. Now, I want you to notice here that Simon desired to eat with Jesus. Some of the other Pharisees just openly mocked and scoffed at Jesus. But Simon here desired to see who Jesus was. So this man had an interest in Jesus. He wanted to eat with him. He invited him into his house. He obviously felt a desire to get to know him better. He wanted to know more about Jesus. It's likely that he had some admiration of Jesus. You see, this is very much like the person who goes to church week after week has a desire to read the Bible and other good Christian books. Maybe has a few good commentaries on his bookshelf. Maybe like the person who went to church from childhood. Or maybe started going at a later age. But this person has a profession of Christianity. There is some admiration for Jesus. They talk to others about Him and want to learn things about Him. So they have a knowledge of the truth. 
Tienen un conocimiento de la verdad. But like Simon here, it is all superficial. Pero como Simón aquí es superficial. Because it stops there and goes no further. En verdad se para ahí y no va más adelante. You see, in a very real way. En verdad, en realmente. A doctor or a surgeon knows my wife. El doctor o el cirujano conoce a mi esposa. He can tell you about how all their organs work. I don't know that. So, in an academic way, that surgeon knows far more about my wife than me. But he does not know my wife. Like I know my wife. You see, there are many who like Simon the Pharisee here who only know Jesus in a superficial way. There are a great many truths about the Christian faith. The sovereignty of God. Predestination. Election. The last things. And many more. There are many wonderful truths about the Lord Jesus Christ. God come in the flesh. Born of a virgin. The humanity of Christ. The sufferings of Christ. His death, atonement and resurrection. I love them all. But in all our learning about Jesus, the biggest danger is that you forget the person of Christ. You are not just reading a history book. You are not sitting an academic paper like maths or physics. But true Christianity is a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And so in all your learning, it must bring you into true fellowship and communion with Him. True Christianity is knowing and loving and serving the person of the Lord Jesus Christ Himself. This is eternal life. That they might know you, the only true God. And Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. So, how do you know Christ? What do you think of Him? Does your dealings with Christ reflect something of this forgiven woman here? Or do you more resemble Simon the Pharisee? You see, how we live, how we act towards Christ, is the proof of our relationship and love to Him or not. Your actions give evidence as to whether or not you really love the Lord Jesus Christ or whether you just have a cold formal interest in Him. Like Simon the Pharisee here. 
You see, people can talk about their love. Sí, la gente puede hablar del amor. But love always expresses itself in actions. Sí, el amor siempre se expresa en acciones. For God so loved the world, He gave. Porque de tal manera amó Dios al mundo que dio. This woman here is the real deal. Aquí esta persona es la verdad. There is no doubt she is a real Christian. Esta persona es genuina. Esta, persona, esta mujer es genuina, cristiana. Y, you can see her desire to express how she felt about the Lord. She is thankful to him. She washes his feet and anoints him with perfume. She is not worried about the cost. Now, she was a known sinner, it says in verse 39. She had a bad reputation because of her former life. And so, by going into Simon the Pharisee's house there, she is going amongst people she knows will despise her. But she is not governed by the fear of man. Because she has so abandoned herself to Christ. Well, Simon is more controlled. Así que Simón es más controlado por eso. Look in verses 37 and 38. 37 y 38. At a deep love and gratitude towards him. Una gratitud grandísima para el Señor. And behold, a woman of the city. Entonces una mujer de la ciudad who was a sinner, when she learned that he was reclining at the table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of ointment, and standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with the ointment. A heart that was once devoted to sin is now devoted to the Savior. Is that where your, your heart has been changed to? When I first met Zoe, my wife, I was about 17 or 18 years old, and I had brought this t-shirt, which I just thought was so cool. It was my favorite item of clothing. I could not imagine swapping it for the world. I thought I really looked good in it. But Zoe had not yet seen it. Now one day I was walking along the street with Zoe and someone else on the other side of the street had that t-shirt on. And Zoe said, what an awful t-shirt. She said, that guy has got no fashion sense whatsoever. I never wore it again. In fact, the next day, my brother came to me. 
and said, Kevin, please can I borrow that t-shirt? I said, such is the love for my brother, you can have it. You see, this pictures something of what it is to be abandoned to the person of Christ. The woman is directly serving him here out of gratitude. Out of love. You see, the person who loves the Lord is anxious to please him. Does that describe you? Or are you still looking to please yourself? You know, these past few days I've been... Um, Wyman and Joy realized I eat a lot of oranges. And so they went out and bought some more oranges. Now, I, I don't think they eat that many. But... They was delighted to get them for me. And it is the same everywhere we have stayed. Christians being delighted to serve. Being abandoned in love. Let me ask you. Why do you do what you do? Is it out of love and thankfulness to the Lord? For His honor. Just like this woman here. Or are you more like Simon the Pharisee? You see, you can bring your children up with Christian morals. You can go to church and read the Bible. But all in a cold, formal way. You can do evangelism out of duty. Serve in a church. But you can do all that merely for self. Just like this Pharisee here prayed, fasted and read his Bible. You see, this woman here, she gave her all for Jesus because she realized who he really was. She thought highly of him. She realized what he had done for her. Whereas Simon treated him with disrespect. In verse 44 it says, Then turning toward the woman, he said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet. But she has wet my feet with with her tears. And wipes them with her hair. You gave me no kiss. But from the time I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil. But she has anointed my feet with ointment. Now they were common customs. If Caiaphas, the high priest, had come for dinner, you can be sure Simon would have done all these things for him. 
But although he had an interest in Jesus, he did not see him worthy of giving him such high honor. And I want you to notice here that Jesus took notice of both how this woman treated him and also how Simon the Pharisee mistreated him. You see, this is a test of our religion. And Jesus notices how you have been treated him. Whether out of love like this woman, anxious to please him in thankfulness, or whether just a casual interest in him, a religious duty like Simon the Pharisee. This is a test of our religion. The woman here, her faith works through love. You see, where there is no love, there is no forgiveness. Charles Spurgeon once said, If you, dear friends, have a faith that never works for Christ, I beg you to get rid of it at once. The faith that never kisses his feet is a faith that he will tread under his feet. The faith that never anoints him is a faith that will have no fragrance in his esteem. He will not accept it. And notice how this lost religious person saw others. Look at how Simon had contempt for this woman. In verse 39 it says, Now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what sort of woman this is who is touching him. For she is a sinner. He knew this woman was a sinner. He could see sin in others, but not so much in himself. That is his problem. Jesus pointed this out in the parable of the two debtors there. In that parable, the one who, do, who had been forgiven more loved Jesus more. The man that was not showing love to Jesus because he did not think he needed to be forgiven much. Uh, and let me dispel any, any notion that the man forgiven little is forgiven. Because who needs to be forgiven just a little? No one. Although there were some like the Pharisees who think they only need to be forgiven a little. Do you think you only need to be forgiven a little? Are you like this Pharisee here? 
You see, Jesus was welcoming to this sinful woman. Just like he was also welcoming to Simon. He went and dined with all types of people. Are you? Or do you think yourself above certain people? And look down on them. But look at the difference with this saved woman here. She had a sense of her sin. A real sense of her sin. In verse 38 it says, And standing behind him, at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. She was broken and contrite. As of yet, she could not bring herself to look up to Jesus. Like the man in, in the parable of the Pharisee uh, and, the, and the publican. She could not yet look up to heaven. Let me ask you. Have you ever wept over your sin? Because where there is forgiveness of sin, there will be sorrow over sin. And no doubt this woman has heard Jesus preaching. Perhaps she, perhaps she heard him say, Come unto me, all who labor and are heavy laden. And I will give you rest. And she had believed on Christ to be saved. And now she is grateful to Christ. She, she is broken over her sins. And consider the woman's acknowledgement of her own guilt here. She was not washing Jesus' feet thinking. I am better than Simon the Pharisee. If only he was as humble as me. She did not despise others as she did this. Because her eyes were on Christ. She was taken up with him. So then, what do you think of Jesus? Do you love Him? And, and live to serve Him out of gratitude? Or are you more like Simon the Pharisee here? Who has an interest in Jesus, but no love for Him. I heard a, a testimony told me the other day, very briefly about a, a brother here who had been saved. As a young lad sat in church. Worried about his salvation. But he came home to his parents and said, the pastor said, if you love Jesus, if you truly love Jesus, you are saved. And he said, I do love Jesus. I'm saved. 
Do you lo- love him? Lo amas? Or just have an interest in him? O simplemente tienes un interés por él. So what do you do if you are the Pharisee in this story? ¿Qué haces tú si tú eres el fariseo en esta historia? You must repent of your wickedness now. Arrepiéntete de tu maldad en ahorita. Repent of your self-righteousness now. Arrepiéntete de tu, uh, de tu maldad. I want you to notice what it says in verse 42. Quiero que veas en el versículo 42 lo que dice. When they could not pay, he canceled the debt. Y no teniendo ellos con qué pagar, perdonó a ambos. I like the way the old King James puts this verse. And when they had nothing to pay, he forgave them both. If you want true forgiveness by God, then you must realize that you have nothing to pay. You cannot pay any of your own debt. You must realize that you are a vile sinner. Tú eres un sucio. As Charles Wesley said, Como Wesley dijo, vile and full of sin I am, soy lleno de y sucio. but thou art full of truth and grace. Pero tú lleno de y de you are a wicked sinner eres un who has sinned against his mercy time and time again. You must realize that you are spiritually bankrupt before God. You must realize that you are no better off in and of yourself than this woman here who is a sinner. Until you realize this, you cannot make one right step towards the Savior. It is Jesus alone who must save. But if you will come to him without money, without price, without offering him anything meritorious on your part, then and only then and surely then he will save you. Notice in verse 50, Jesus said to this woman, your faith has saved you. Not her works. It was her faith in Christ that saved her. Not her tears. Not even her love. Her trust was in Christ. She had tears, but it was not her tears that saved her. She had repentance, but it, but it was not her repentance that saved her. It was her faith. You see, faith saves because it clings you to Christ. As Spurgeon once said, God loves to crown those who have faith. Because faith crowns Christ. La fe and her belief in who Christ was Ella creyó en quien era and what he had done for her y por lo que había hecho él por ella. in pardoning all of her sins todos sus 
As we sung there, not in part, but the whole. No in parte, pero todos. But were nailed to the cross. En la cruz. And so she bore them no more. Así que no los This produced in her love to Christ. En lo que en ella un amor para con you know, sometimes people say, veces la gente dice, I want to be saved. Ser salvo. But I cannot come to Christ pero no puedo venir a because I don't have enough love to come. No, no tengo amor para venir a but, but listen, You will not have any love to Christ until you first see His forgiveness for you. So believe on Him dying for your sins now. And then you will love Him. He says, He who comes to me And to come to him is synonymous with believing in him. I will in no wise cast out. If you truly want him, let not conscience make you linger. Nor of fitness fondly dream. No simplemente sueños acerca de ser mejor. All the fitness he requireth. Todo simplemente lo que él él necesita. Is to feel your need for him. Es que tú veas tu necesidad de él. If you feel your need to him, si tú ves tu necesidad por él, then trust him. Confía. And look what Jesus says to the woman here in verse 50. Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. It was not her parents' faith. It was not her husband's faith that saved her. It was not the faith of her friends or of other people in a church that saved her. Now, granted, other people should be praying for the salvation of souls. But my point is, but my point is this. You must put your personal faith in Jesus. You must personally believe on Him. You must be personally taken up like uh, this woman with the Savior. You must personally trust Him for your soul. Have you done this? Have you come to the person of Jesus Christ? Not just a mere knowledge of Him. Not just ticked off a checklist of facts. You see, the difference is life and death, my friends. The difference is heaven and hell. The difference is having real life now or a cold, miserable life. If you've never truly come to Christ, if you've never had faith that works out of love for the Savior, then I encourage you to come to Him right now and be saved. But you say, how do I come? How do I go to Jesus? 
You must go to him as a guilty sinner. Just like this woman here. You cannot be saved in any other way. There is no other name under heaven by which a man can be saved. So give up trying to defend your own name before God. Listen, do not try to excuse your sins. Don't try to cover your sins. Give up trying to justify yourself before God. Stop trying to make out that you only need to be forgiven a little. You know, there are many people who start going to a church, a good church like this one, and they see other true Christians, And they think, I want that. But instead of repenting themselves and getting uh, saved, they they try to sneak over the bar. They try their best to just fit in. And and put on a show before others. Don't try to fit in. Don't try to be, pretend to be a sheep. No, no, no you must become a sheep. Que venir a ser una oveja. Don't be like Simon here. No seas como Simon aquí. Pretending you are righteous before others. Que tú eres justo de otros. Do you want to know what God thinks about you? Do you want to know how much you can contribute towards your salvation? Then look at the cross. Look at the cross. And realize that is what God thinks of you. That is what you deserve for your sin against God. You can try and pretend your own righteousness before others and God. But the cross makes the bold statement that if that even if others could see you at your worst the cross, what you deserve, tells you that you are far worse than everybody else thinks. The cross tells you that if you must be saved, then you must be saved in the same way as this sinful woman here. And the cross also tells you to come to Christ right now and be saved. Believe on Him and His cross now. Why spend your money on that which is not bread? And your labor on that which satisfieth not? Stop looking everywhere else to be saved. Stop looking at everyone else as if they are the problem. Stop looking at God as if He is the problem. Thinking his standards are too high. No, his standard is holy, righteous and just. Agree with God about yourself. Stop looking for goodness in yourself to save you. And look at the cross. Five bleeding wounds he bears. 
received on Calvary. They pour effectual prayers. They strongly plead for me. This is what the wounds of Jesus cry. This, this is what his death cries out to you. Forgive him, oh forgive they cry. Nor let that ransom sinner die. Now look at how freely Jesus accepts. The sinful woman who comes to him in this passage. The, lo the Lord knew her former character. The Lord said, her sins are many. You see, realizing your sinfulness does not forbid you from coming to Christ. It is realizing that you, un you are unworthy that fits you to be saved. In verse 39, Simon said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what sort of woman this was who was touching him. For she is a sinner. Jesus knew exactly what sort of woman this was. He wasn't fooled. He knew she was an immoral woman. He knew that those lips that were kissing his feet and the hair that she was wiping them with he knew she used them once to seduce many other lovers. He knew that her heart that is now devoted to him had been given to so many. But, but notice, he did not move his feet away from her. He did not remove himself in disgust from this woman. But he freely accepted her love and gratitude towards him. And if you will trust him now for your salvation. And from this day on serve him in love. He will not remove his feet from you either. You may have been a hypocrite. Which is the worst sin. But if you go to him now like this woman. He will not cast you away. Though your sins be many. Though you may have neglected the Savior up until this moment. You have no excuse not to come and trust Him now. Come now, let us reason together, saith the Lord. 
Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall become like wool. And look at the promise of salvation. He says to the woman in verse 48, Your sins are forgiven. Not will be if you perform in the future. But are now. Right now at that moment. You can be fully saved in an instant. If like this woman here, you will come to Jesus as a guilty sinner and trust Him to be your Savior. And look at verse 50. And He said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Not faith in self once again. But faith in the Lord Jesus has saved you. You have this in writing. When you make a deal with someone. If you doubt them. Or you want greater assurance. You ask them to put it in writing. Well here it is in writing. If you will trust Christ now, what He has done for you, on the cross you will be saved. But what about this promise God has put in writing? Everyone who believes in Him will not be put to shame. Or what about this He has put in writing? For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. So call on Him. Trust Him. Believe Him. Don't settle to be just like Simon the Pharisee. When you can have the joy of this woman here. You say, what if I'm I don't feel uh, enough guilty as the woman. Doesn't matter. Trust in Him. It's Christ who saves you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you are a friend of sinners. That just like this woman here, you are not ashamed to call us friend. Hallelujah. What a Savior. Oh Lord, full as home and can it be. I praise you Lord for the glorious truth of your gospel. And I pray for any Simon the Pharisees who hear this word. just like I was, Lord, for so many years, that You would open their eyes to see their sin and to see the Saviour, to see their guilt 
but to see that you pardon guilty sinners who will trust in you. To see the exceeding sinfulness of sin, but to see that where sin abounds, grace has abounded so much more. We praise you. In Jesus' name, Amen.